Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 1, as you know, we're continuing our study of what we're calling really the history of the nation of Israel, but our focus is on the kings. We started back at 1 Samuel, and we saw Samuel and Saul, and then we got 2 Samuel, which was David, and as we get 1 Kings, we're going to see a little bit of David because he's still alive in chapter 1. We'll see that, and then we're going to look at Solomon, and about the first 11 chapters, we'll deal with Solomon. We're now, as we look at it this morning, we're thinking about David, and we're saying, man, David, a man after God's own heart. He was the greatest, but we're near the end of his life, and then really in the end of his reign as well. Here's the question. Who's going to be the next king? Who's supposed to be the next king? Well, the answer is it's supposed to be Solomon. That's the plan. Solomon was to follow David. That was what God's plan. That's what the prophet told him. That's what David decided, and so David says the next king is supposed to be King Solomon, but you know, as always, things never go as smooth as we think they should go. And so as we see transition, there's going to be problems, and David's got to deal with them before he dies. And so as we begin, let's just get a little background, a little review about, about the Scripture, and let's remind ourselves, the Old Testament, there are 39 books, the New Testament, 27. We're over here in the Old Testament looking. We saw First Samuel and Second Samuel, now we're going to First Kings. And, of course, there's the first five books, which is the, the law or the Torah, and then there's the history books, and then there's the writings, and then there's the prophets and all that. You get to the New Testament, you get the history books, which are... Matthew, the, the Gospels and the book of Acts, and then you get all the letters, and then you get to the very end, the book of Revelation. So that's the Bible. The Bible has Old Testament, 39 books, New Testament, 27 books. The thing that, that's probably true is all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, I mean, we should know the Bible. We should be able to say, here are these books. Here's, what, here's a little bit about what some of those books are about. One of the things we have to remember is that the Old Testament is looking forward to the coming Messiah. Beginning all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. God made a promise he would send a Messiah and a Savior. And the Old Testament is looking forward to Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross, paying for sin and rising again. New Testament actually looks back. When you've got the Gospels, of course, which gives events of the life of Christ. But then you have the New Testament which looks back to Jesus, who he is and all that he's done. And so that's really how the Bible fits together. We, uh, the Old Testament's divided into four sections, the Torah, which is the first five books, which is often called the law, the history, the writings, the prophets. We saw the, the book of Joshua. This is kind of the flow. Joshua, they conquered the land, and then the time of the judges. Then we went to 1 Samuel, where we saw Samuel, who was the last judge, and Saul as the first king. And then we went to 2 Samuel, and that's where David, and that's what we just finished, him uniting the kingdom. And then we get to 1 Kings, and we're going to see Solomon, and that's the first 11 chapters. And then after that, there's other kings and there's a division of the kingdom and there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom and I've got, it should say, two kingdoms there and the empire and the fall of the kingdoms and so if we carried on and just kept studying, we would see all of that. There's just so much there uh, and, and yet we just want to highlight in this study the three kings, basically Saul, David, and Samuel. Um, so realize that there's something that, uh, that goes on that you, you have maybe not thought about but it goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. A lot of times when we study the Bible, we'll say, oh, I, I don't mind studying Genesis. That's kind of fun. And then Exodus is when they come out of Egypt. And then you start getting the Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And then you say things like, maybe we ought to move up to the New Testament or something like that. But the thing about it, there's a great truth that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God's promise, if Israel obeys God, there will be blessing. If Israel disobeys God, they'll be cursing. And the kings were evaluated by their faithfulness to God and his word. We're going to find the same thing. 
that if we are obedient to God and we live righteously and godly, there'll be blessing in our lives. If we disobey, there'll be, there'll be discipline in our lives. And we, we're seeing really a contrast because we see going to David. David was a great man, a man after God's own heart. He was called that. And then we're going to see Solomon and what he did. And let me just throw this out because we'll get it when we get to Solomon. But we understand that Solomon is the, the wisest man who ever lived. And when you think of Solomon, you think of greatness. And yet at the end of Solomon's life, he turned away from God. He worshiped false gods. That didn't mean he wasn't a believer because he was a believer. There's no doubt about that. But he turned away at the end. And so sometimes we, we think of these people and we see David and we see the good things David did and the bad things David did. We're going to see the good things that Solomon did. We're going to see the bad things that Solomon did. And so we're moving now from David to the third king who is Solomon. Let me kind of break down the book for you. First Kings, the first 11 chapters deal with the reign and the fall of Solomon. And then the chapters 12 through 22 is a whole bunch of different kings. And then there's second Kings that does the same sort of thing. And, and this, these two books, first and second Kings cover a time period of about 400 years. So from the time David dies, which is about a thousand years before Christ, it goes all the way down to about 600 years before Christ. And that's when the, the captivities came and all those kind of things. Now, there's a truth for us that we could learn that we talked about, and that is this. If we live by God's word, there'll be blessing. If we disobey God's word, there'll be sin, and that's sin, and there'll be discipline in our lives. And so we're going to see that. Let's talk about Solomon for just a second. When you think of Solomon, you think of two things. His major thing was to build the temple. Now, that temple is an amazing building. It's just so magnificent. When I say is, because it's like we're, we're going through this, and it, that building was incredible. I mean, there was gold and everything else, and so he built the temple, but he also was considered the wisest man who ever lived. And when you read the Proverbs and read Song of Solomon, you read Ecclesiastes, read those books written by Solomon, he was indeed so wise. Now, here's the thing. Even though he was wise, that didn't mean he applied what he knew. And that's why there were a lot of times that Solomon messed up, especially toward the end of his life. And we we're, we're kind of going through that. So we'll be seeing more about him as we get through it. Now, David's about to die. They've already announced. God has already told them Solomon is to be the next king. Everybody knows that. But we're going to see something happens this morning. Once again, David has problems with his sons. He's had problems with his sons all the way through. And as we look at this passage, we'll find out why he had problems with his sons all the way through. But I'm going to raise a couple of things right here. Number one, why is it important to discipline our children, to bring them up in the training of the Lord, to bring them up in instruction, to discipline them, to, to help, help them understand right from wrong and to grow it? Why is it so important? And we'll see why in a minute. And then the idea here is we must obey God's word because God's word has truths and principles and things that we're to live by. And when we don't, there's going to be problems. There's going to be discipline. There's going to be issues. And so that's what we want to do. So this morning, we're going to see that. And, and I think at the very end, when I say, I think at the very end of our service, we're going to bring up a number of families with children and we're going to have a baby dedication. And what the parents are actually saying is they're going to do everything they can to bring their children up in the training of the Lord. One of the great truths that we understand is that love disciplines. Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord love, he chases and scourges every child you receive. People are taught, sometimes people are taught, just love your kids and don't ever, don't ever punish them and don't ever you know, tell them what they got to do and all this. No, love sets boundaries. Love teaches right from wrong. Love shows love by caring. And so as we're going to begin this, this is going to be something that's going to, it's not going to surprise you. David, as a great king, 
he failed to set boundaries and to correct his sons. That's why there's been so many problems. We had one son did something else. We had one son rebel. We have another son rebel. We have nothing but issues with those sons, and we're going to see why as we look through this passage because we're going to meet another son. His name is, is Adonijah, and he's going to say, I'm going to be king. We're going, wait a minute, wait, you're not supposed to be king. No, I'm going to be king. Well, let me break down the passage for you just to show you what we're going to look at today. It's only going to be the first 14 verses, so we'll go through it fairly quickly. But David, I say David grows weaker because he's dying. And he's, by the way, David's going to have to make a decision, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Adonijah claims the throne. He wants to be the king. He doesn't, but we see David finally is informed about it. Nathan tells Bathsheba, and Bathsheba tells David, and this is what we're going to see, how it fits together. So look at 1 Kings chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, and we call this choosing the next king, and, and who's going to be the next king, and who's supposed to be the next king. So let's look at what happens. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Now, King David was old and advanced in age, and they covered him with clothes, but he could not keep worn. Now, how old is he? Do you know how old he is? He became king at age 30, and he ruled for how long? For 40 years. So how old is David? He's 40 years old. He's, his kingdom's still here. David's younger than me. Or let's put it this way. I'm older than David was. Boy, I feel old all of a sudden. But anyway, now David was old, and it says advanced in age. And they covered him with clothes, but he could not keep warm. You know, when we think about David, you, you don't think of a weak man. You think of a warrior. You think of a, a guy that fought Goliath when he was young, a guy that would go out and fight, who slayed his 10,000s, a man that could write music and songs and be a great leader. And so when you think of David, you think that, but look at this. David's old, and he can't get warm, and they got him in the bed, and he can't even get out of the bed. And what we realize, that David is dying. And you know what we see? The wages of sin. Because see, when sin entered the world, death came. And human beings die because the consequences of sin that is on the human race. Now, Jesus Christ has died on the cross to pay for sin, rose again to conquer death, and we're eventually, if you die physically, Jesus is going to raise us from the dead. But people die physically. And David, the strong man that we'd say, man, that David, what a warrior. Well, he's in the bed, and he, he can't even get out of bed. He's old, and he's dying. And uh, we realize that the only way that, that uh, we can have eternal life to be with Jesus Christ is, is through Jesus Christ. So here's David. Here he is. He's about to go. And look what it says. His servant said to him, now that, just think about it. He's laying in the bed, and they come to him, and they say, let them, we don't know who them is, some other people, let them seek a young virgin for my Lord the king and let her attend the king and become his nurse and let her lie in your bosom that my Lord the king may keep warm. Now they come to him and says, you can't get warm, but we got an idea. Why don't we go find a real pretty girl, a young girl, and bring her in and let her be your nurse and let her get in the bed with you and maybe warm you up. That's what, you th- that's what they're saying. Maybe warm you up. And so they say, let's get... A, a, a young virgin to come in here and do that. Well, let's face it. I mean, their first thought may be some kind of sexual thing or something, but anyway, maybe it's just, maybe it'll warm him up. We don't know because he can't get warm. So what do they do? So they searched, verse 3, for a beautiful girl throughout all the territory of Israel, and they found Abishag, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. Now, the girl was very beautiful, and she became the king's nurse and served him, but he wants, he wants to make sure, the author wants us to make sure, but the king did not cohabit with her. So they searched, and they found Abishai, 
and she was really pretty, and she was young, and they said, well, let's bring her in, and she can become the nurse, the one that kind of help him to be there with him. And the Bible wants to make it clear, to make sure we understand, they didn't have sexual relations. Point is, he's probably so weak and he's dying, and realize that, uh, and, and, and here's something I just wanted to say. Do we realize that Jesus, the next event is Jesus coming back to get us, and he's going to come in the clouds of the dead and Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain, be caught up together with him and meet the Lord in the air. But if he doesn't come back, for some of us in this room, if we all live long enough, we're all going to get like David, and we're going to die. We're going to die physically. That's why you need a Savior. That's why Jesus came and died and rose again so that we could have eternal life and live forever with him. Well, we're going to find a problem. And uh, so we've got through the first four verses. But before we get that, I want, I want to remind you of something that's happened in David's life as we bring it to the end. The prophet Nathan had told David, because of his sin with Bathsheba, he would be disciplined fourfold. Now, where did that come from? In that day and time under the Mosaic Law, if you went and you stole somebody's lamb, you had to pay back four lambs. Nathan told David, you stole a man's wife, Bathsheba, you're going to pay back four, and David's going to pay back four sons, and he does. He lost, the, right after that, about a year after that, he lost a baby, and then his son Amnon was killed. His son Absalom is killed, that's three, and we got one more, and his name is Adonijah, and we're going to see within the next couple of weeks what happens to Adonijah. He's the fourth son, fourth oldest. He thought he should be king. We're going to see what happens to him. Poor David, and I mean this in a sad way, David pays back fourfold for what happened. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow of the flesh, you reap corruption. You know, so whenever we do wrong, we could expect that there's sometimes discipline and whether it is in the life of David. So picture David, he's in the bed, can't really get up, can't really rule. His days are... His days are about over, and now the issue comes up. Wait a minute, who's supposed to be the king? So watch what happens. Verse 5, now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. Now, this is the, the fourth oldest son. His name is Adonijah, and he wants to be king. Now, I want you to be careful because look at verse 5 again. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself. What does the Bible say? Bible says, humble yourself. It says that whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, and whoever humbled themselves will be exalt, exalted. We are not to uh, have pride. We're not to exalt ourselves. We're not to tell everybody, hey, look at me. Listen, if somebody says, oh, well, you did so good, just say, grace of God, he's so wonderful. The truth is this, we're not exalting ourselves, and the Bible says that. And Jesus Christ came and humbled himself, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So here is Adonijah making a big mistake. He's exalting himself. Bible always tells us, don't exalt yourself. Don't talk about how good you are. Let another brag on you and not yourself. Always humble yourself and God will do the exalting at the right time. This man exalted himself saying, I will be the king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. He says, I'm, I'm going to be the king, and I'm going to do it. Now, by the way, who's supposed to be the king? Solomon is supposed to be the king. 
In 1 Chronicles 22, verses 9 and 10, it says Solomon's supposed to be the king. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 30, even Adonijah says, I know that Solomon was supposed to be the king. But he doesn't want Solomon to be the king, even though he knows it. So he says, I'm going to be the king. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so what did he do? He prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. This is the same thing Absalom did. When Absalom said he was going to be the king, he got a chariot and he got 50 men to run before him and everybody would announce him coming and everybody would say, ooh, he's real important. Adonijah wants to do the same thing. He wants to be the king. He wants people to run before him. He's got the chariot. He's got the 50 people. In fact, he's got chariots. It says chariots, plural. He's got 50 men to run before him. So he's trying to tell everybody, I'm the important one. I'm supposed to be the king. And he did this so he could look important. Well, what happens? Verse 6. Here's the problem with David. His father had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done so? And he was also a very handsome man, and he was born after Absalom. Now, what it tells us that David never disciplined his son. In fact, the truth is, you look back, David never disciplined any of his sons. Now, you know, when you're king and you're ruling and you got all this stuff going, you may say to yourself, I don't have time to deal with those boys. Maybe somebody else can help them. But the truth is, he never disciplined his kids. And they were rich. They're handsome. They're famous. They could do anything. They always got their way. And we know what happens when people always get their way, when we know what happens when people think, I'm entitled. And this is what happened to David's sons. And that's why they rebelled against him. And that's why they rebelled. And here's Adonijah. And what does Adonijah say? I will be king. And it says, David, his father, had never crossed him, had never said, what do you think you're doing? Not just in this event, but in his life. And this implies that David had never dealt with his son. Now, I want you to think about David. And, and I mean, I love David. I hope, I hope when we all get in the kingdom, uh, you know that Jesus is going to rule in Jerusalem. And you know that from the book of Ezekiel, that King David, David himself will rule under Jesus in Jerusalem. I hope I get to go to him and see him. And, and just to see him, I said, David, you're one of my heroes. You were amazing. But think about this. David was a great warrior and a great leader and a great king and a great man of God, but not a great father. He just, he just didn't do it. He let those boys do their own thing. And you parents, you know, you know, we're going to have some parents come up here in just a little bit, and they're going to say, we're going to do everything we can to bring up our children in the training and the instructions of the Lord. David didn't do that. David either left it to somebody else, or he just didn't do it. We know Ephesians tells us for the, for the families to do it. And, and I'm going to tell you, the, the, the Bible talks about training up our children, bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And you know, it, we're, we're talking about the family, but it's always the father. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We talked about this several weeks ago. It is the father who should take the lead. It's mom and daddy together raising those kids and disciplining them and doing that. But the spiritual leader, it should be the father, it should be the man. And we've talked about it. Men have to step forward and to do what they're supposed to do. And the old saying is that love disciplines, and that's what happens. That And David didn't do that. And when you look at David's life, where did David's problems come from? They always come from his sons and his problems with the family. So, watch what happens. Who, and here's the question I'm going to put up. Who, who does Adonijah get to help him as he, as he seeks to be king? Look at the next verse. 
he had conferred with Joab, the son of Zerah, and with Abathar, the priest, and following Adonijah, they helped him. Now, who is this? Well, first of all, Joab. You remember Joab? This is David's nephew. This is the guy that had always been David's general. But remember, he's not a... He's not a man of character, and he's done a lot of things wrong. He's killed two innocent people, and he even killed David's son, Absalom. And so by this time, David has basically said to Joab, you just need to do your own thing because I'm not going to have anything to do with you anymore. And so Joab goes over and says, I'll be with you, Abathar. He probably thought if Abathar, I mean, excuse me, uh, to be with uh, Adonijah, he probably thought if I'm with Adonijah, I'll... I'll get to be a general again. And then they also picked up a priest by the name of Abathar. And, and Abathar is one of the priests. In fact, there were two priests, Zadok and Abathar. And the question is, why would Abathar go with Adonijah? And the answer is, we have no idea. Maybe he thought when Adonijah becomes king, he would be the main priest. You know, this pride thing is tough on everybody. And maybe that's what he thought. And maybe Joab thought, I'm going to be this way. So here is two former so-called friends of David, they switch over. That happens a lot. Notice who was left out. It says, but Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Joadiah, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rhea, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. They didn't go over. Zadok is the other priest, Benaiah. Listen, this man, before we're through, you will hear his name a lot in chapters 2 and 3 and 4. He's an amazing person. When I think back of all the people in the Bible, I think of Jonathan, David's friend, best friend. What a great man. And I think of Benaiah. What a great man. He's loyal to David. And then there's Nathan the prophet. And then it also lists a guy named Shimei. He's not the same one that did the bad stuff. And there's Rhea. And then there's the mighty men. They weren't with Adonijah. They did not go with him. In fact, the prophet Nathan is the one that actually told David that God said, you shall name the son Solomon, but he's going to have another name. Do you all know Solomon's other name? It was Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. And Nathan said, God says Solomon will be the next king. That's how they knew it. God told them. And everybody knows it. So these guys didn't go with them. So here's Adonijah. He's ready to go. He thinks he's got everything. He's got a general and he's got a priest. He's ready to go. So look at verse 9. Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatlings by the stone of Zoheleth, which is near Enrogel. And he invited all his brothers and his king's sons and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. He's invited everybody to come to a big party and announce him as king. But notice, verse 10, but he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, Benaiah, the mighty men, and Solomon, his brother. He didn't invite them. He didn't invite Nathan, Benaiah, and Solomon, and the rest of the mighty men. Because he doesn't want them with him. He knows they're not for him. He knows they're for David. He knows they're for Solomon. And so he says, I'm not inviting them. I'm going to have my own deal. And let me remind you of something. Adonijah knows that it is God's will that Solomon is to be the next king. Adonijah wants his own will so he would be the next king. King. It is very easy to get wrapped up in the world. It's very easy to get up with the desires of the flesh and say, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And it's so easy because this world just pushes us in and conforms us. And it's so easy to look at it and say, I will do what I want to do. And this is what Adonijah is doing. Now, what's going to happen? Well, if you're David, what's going to happen? I want you to understand something. David is going to have to make a decision. He's got two choices. He can either go with the easy thing. They could come into him and say, Adonijah's claiming to be king. What are you going to do about it? And he could say, 
I just, I don't have the energy to deal with this. You know, I, just let it go. I'm not going to do anything. I can't do it. He could do that. Or he could say, he could say, what God says we're going to do. So David has a choice to do the easy thing, let it go, do the hard thing. Guess what? We have choices all the time too, to do the easy thing. The world says one thing and we go, well, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not fighting that. No, I'm just going to let it go or do the hard thing. And that's to stand for what's right. We live in a culture that's telling wrong all the time and are we going to stand for it or not? That's why in Romans 12, he says, offer your life to stand for Jesus Christ, to do what's right, to stand. And we can either live for the word, live by the word, or live by the world. And we've got those choices. And that's one of the things we've been talking about. And then when you look at the life of David, this is the, the, the kind of thing that you see all the time. And David's got to make a decision. And let me tell you, every one of us in this room has got to make a decision. Are we going to do what's easy, or are we going to do what's right? And doing what's easy is always easier than doing what's right. So what's going to happen? Well, Nathan, the prophet, has got to tell Bathsheba about Adonijah's plan. She may not know. We don't know whether she knows or not. So here's what happens. Look down at verse 11. Then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord doesn't know it? So now please, so now come, please let me give you counsel. Let me tell you what to do. And save your life and the life of your son Solomon. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, if Adonijah becomes king, you're going to die. When Adonijah becomes king, he's going to kill you, and he's going to kill your son Solomon because he's going to be the king, and he's got to wipe out any enemies. He's got to wipe out anyone that could threaten his throne. And so he's out there telling everybody he's the king, and you better do something or you're going to die, and Solomon's going to die. What a problem. You can almost see her saying, but but, uh, Solomon's supposed to be the next king. Everybody knows that. Well, it ain't happening. What are we going to do? So verse 13, what are we going to do? He says, go at once to King David and say to him, have you not, my lord, O king, sworn to your maidservant, saying, surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Isn't that what you said? Why then has Adonijah become king? He says, you've got to go in and see David and tell him what's going on. Now, can you imagine her going in? Who's in there? Who's in the bed with David? You're, you're, his, you're, you're the, the one. You're Bathsheba. You've been with David for a long time. And you go in there and there's this, you know, but you've got to talk to the king. And you've got to say to him, uh, I thought you said Solomon was going to be king. Didn't you say Solomon was going to be king? Why has Adonijah claimed to be king? So that's what she's going to say. Why has Adonijah become king? And here's what, here's what uh, Nathan says. He says, but, but, but while you're talking, while you're still there speaking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. I'll come in and say, she's telling the truth. This is what's happening. Why is he going to do that? Nathan will come in and confirm what Bathsheba says because the Bible says you have to have two witnesses to confirm a matter. And so if she'd have gone in by herself, he might not even believed her. But when Nathan the prophet comes in and says, she's telling the truth, Adonijah's trying to become the king, something's got to be done. What will David do? Will he do what's easy and say, I, I do not have the strength to fight this. I've done all I can do. I'm about to die. I, I just can't deal with this. Or will David do what's right and say, Get Solomon, get the, get the horse, get mine, put my crown on his head.
and make him the king right now while I'm still alive. What's going to happen? Let me give you some applications real quickly just so that we can sort of think through this. First one is this. Let's discipline our children. I mean, this is, this is the key because we live in a culture that sometimes people want to take our children away. We don't even know what they're doing with them. Here's David's fault. He never dealt with his sons. They rebelled. And we see that Adonijah's gone and got 50 people to run before him. He's got chariots. He's got men. He's telling everybody he's the king. He's got a, a party going. Notice what it said. He brought everybody together. They sacrificed sheep. They did all this. And they're saying, we got a big party because we're naming Adonijah as the king. David never disciplined his sons. And that's why he had trouble with Absalom and Amnon and Adonijah and all of these people. That's why. That's why Ephesians 6 tells, bring up our children in the training and in the instructions of the Lord. It is the men's responsibility in the household to oversee this and to bring them up. Mamas and daddies together, but men are to be the leaders. And we are responsible. And that, let's discipline our children. We're to discipline them. We're to encourage them. We're to set boundaries. We're to teach them the Bible. We're to be the ones that build in their lives. Because let me tell you, the world is shaping them, trying to. And we got to shape them back a different way. We got to help transform them. We got to help them understand the scripture and to know what's right and wrong and know what the boundaries are and to encourage them to, to grow up and, and to be men and women of God. That's what we've got to do with our children. The second application is... Let's do what's right rather than what's easy. It's really easy just to flow with the culture. It's really easy, but it's not easy to stand for what's right. And when we stand for truth, there's going to be conflict, opposition, and ridicule. Let me tell you, if you stand up somewhere and say you believe Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, he's the only way to, the only way to God, and it's just faith alone and Christ alone, you're going to be ridiculed. There are going to be people who jump on you immediately just by saying that. If you say you believe there are certain rights and wrongs, People are going to jump on you because you say there's rights and wrongs. When we stand for truth, there's conflicts. We've got to do what's right rather than what's easy. We must obey God's word rather than our desires or even this world, and that's why we offer our lives. The third thing is let's humble ourselves before God. Pride goes before the fall. What does it say about this man? It says he exalted himself. Don't ever exalt yourself. It's the grace of God. Anything, anything God does, if he does something good through you, if he does something amazing through you, just say, grace of God, it's so wonderful. God just, it's just God's grace to get to use me. That's all we can say because pride, hey, God will raise you up at the right time, but pride always results in a fall. The old saying is, are we trying to make a name for ourselves or for a name for Jesus Christ? And then the last thought just is, let's understand that sin brings death. It does. It brings death. The wages of sin is death. The whole human race has fallen and dead in trespasses and sins. And even after we believe in Jesus Christ and become a new, a new creation, there's still the fall aspect, and there's still the fact that we die physically. And if Jesus doesn't come back soon, there are going to be some of us in this room that won't make it. We're going to be like David. We're going to die. We're going to die physically. That's why we need Jesus Christ, because he came to the earth and died on the cross to pay for sins. He took the wages of sin. It was death. He died in our place. He rose again, conquering death, and he gives anyone, anyone who believes in him, eternal life simply by faith.